0: Well, hi everyone, and welcome back to Crosswires. It's James here, and this week we are going to be delving into the world of the theatre and arts. You know how much we love creativity on this show, and anything that's even remotely connected to technology, we we will talk about. So, if there's some vague connection to some to tech in a particular field, we, we will have a guest on. My guest this week is you know someone I followed on Twitter for a while, and there is a little bit of a connection because I discovered that you sort of through his tweets but I I believe, and Andrew will correct me if I'm wrong, uh, he grew up in Bournemouth and that's where I currently live. So, uh, Andrew Keats, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me on, James. It's really lovely to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. So, Andrew, before we start, and we've got lots to talk about, we're going to be talking, you know, a little bit about how technology's influence influenced the theatre, particularly when it comes to acting and, you know, maybe things like auditions and rehearsals, how techs, I guess, both helped and hindered. It's fair to say, probably in the pandemic, there's been some major challenges. But we're also going to talk a little bit about social media as well. And we have, you know, a few serious things to talk about. But Andrew, do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself, maybe a little bit about your background, how you got into your profession?
1: yeah um well you're right i I am from Bournemouth uh yeah I was a gay kid in um Bournemouth under section twenty eight and you know it won't surprise you that that was a it was a very difficult time and so my I'm looking for sort of other gay role models and things I found myself looking in plays and books because we weren't on the television and we weren't really in cinemas um mm. and so I found myself reading Oscar Wilde, Martin Sherman, Tennessee Williams, um, and then Larry Kramer and Bill Hoffman. And as the years would go on as a boy and as a teenager, I started to connect with uh, the theatre community in Bournemouth, um, performing Shakespeare plays and musicals. Um, I even played... The Mad Hatter at a theme park, um, which you will know, it's the Alice in Wonderland theme park, which I believe is still in Hearn in Dorset. It
0: is um, those yes.
1: very dark days, very dark days of running around with a white rabbit and Alice, calling her a tart muncher. And um, <laughs> anyway, um, and then I went to drama school for six years. I went to the Brockenhurst, I went to Brockenhurst College in the New Forest. Then I went to the Mountview Academy of Theatre Arts in London, and then the Guildford School of Acting in Surrey. And then after that, I ran or co-ran uh, the Landor Theatre in Clapham for three years. And in sort of 2012, I formed a production company called Aryan Productions, which was dedicated to giving people from a social or ethnic minority background an opportunity to perform um, or to tell the stories uh, of those that were underprivileged in some way. I, I don't know. I've worked in the theatre now for 20 years, predominantly as a director directing plays musicals i'm about to do my first opera and on top of that uh my bread and butter um is i also work one-on-one with actors all over the world doing one-to-one acting coaching um and thanks to the pandemic um also delved into the world of art so yes i'm a, a theatrical beast and um you know, just always looking for ways to express myself, um, and always seeking out a good story. And is it also
0: fair to say, based on some of the artwork that you produced, you are also a bit of a trekkie?
1: Well, I'm offended you call me a trekkie. It's a trekker. It's oh, any I'm good so Star Trek so, fan, I'm I'm so no. sorry. I'm so sorry. <sighs> Outrageous. Yeah, you know, I am. I'm a big science fiction fan. I'm a I'm a big geek. Do I love Star Trek? Yes, I do love Star Trek. There's lots of science fiction that I also love as well. Um, but what is very unusual and feels a little bit like a like some kind of play is of course when I was that kid growing up you know when you don't have role models who are like you it's funny when you can't see people like yourself uh, on screen instead you often delve into fantasy and science fiction was a great big lovely crutch to give me lots of moral problems to think about and to see a better world and Of course, there were lots of great actors, particularly from Star Trek, that I looked up to and admired. Um, I joined all sorts of science fiction societies when I was a little boy and helped run conventions for many years. And then what was lovely is as my career took off, of course, when I was looking for actors, what was lovely was contacting some of the actors from Star Trek and saying, I'd like to put you in a West End play. And so, yes, there's been lots of different... Actors from my childhood, who I've always appreciated, and it's always been a thrill to put them in my work when they were such important figures in my life. That must
0: be such an honor. I mean, Mm, you know, for me, even even being able to connect with some of these people uh, on on Twitter. I was saying pre-show, you know, one of the people I admire because of how. Uh, Yeah, And I know it's not possible for every actor, but David Blue, who plays Eli Wallace in Stargate Universe, Mm -hmm. is possibly one of the nicest people on the internet and really goes out of his way to you know, have a community. You know, this guy is a Twitch streamer now. He's got his own Discord, and it is one of the most welcome places. I know that's not possible for every single actor. You know, I wouldn't expect, for example, Patrick Stewart to start a Discord. I don't even know if Patrick Stewart would know how to start a Discord. Sorry, Patrick. No. Um, He'd make it so. He'd make it so. He'd get get Brent Spiner to do it for him, I'm sure. But, you know, you... Look up to these people. You know, I looked up to, you know, I, I identified with Eli a little bit because, you know, I am, I am a bit larger. Uh, Eli was, but you know, I remember watching Star Trek and the Next Generation thinking how awesome they have a guy with a severe visual impairment mm-hmm. as the chief engineer of the USS Enterprise. You know, and I know other people identified with Le- LeVar's character because he was black. You know, again, a black senior officer.
1: On the federation flagship, and Michael Dawn and Whoopi Goldberg. You know, it's it's true. You know, if if people can't see themselves, um, then they don't know they can do it. And and I think that's why I think diversity is really important. There's some really interesting conversations about diversity. I think I think the thing that I'm most passionate about when it comes to it is equality of opportunity. That is that I think is for me is the thing that makes the most amount of sense rather than just equality of outcome. You know, so for all of my productions, it's very important that I see underrepresented members um, of society. But rather than being given quotas like some people are doing, you know, we must have a minimum of there must be at least two people who are non-white, for example. I just think that's tokenism. I just think that's a really bad way of doing it. I'd rather say to the producers, okay, well, you're going to get me as a director. Please, can we have at least an extra two weeks of auditions specifically target, targeting those who are um, underrepresented? And then at the end of the auditions, I will cast the best person for the job.
0: Absolutely.
1: So because that's the other thing. What, what I don't want ever to be doing is is for the, the tail to be wagging the dog, as it were. you know. And I don't ever want anybody to be in a rehearsal room thinking that they've only been placed there because they're underrepresented. You know, a, a good example of that is... Um a particular play that I did which I won't name, where I was told we need at least one person who is non white. And that particular company ended up with in quite a small cast three non white actors. Now if I prescribed the quota, I would have only have had to have done had cast one actor and it's just
0: bad it doesn't work does it is no i i i agree with you that. i think it really should be based on skills and never based on someone's identity
1: sure but but also you know those of us who are you know are, are privileged enough just by our, our either our social background or the color of our skin or our sexuality or gender or any of the other things i mean any of those things it, it's just about are we making an effort to see everybody from society and, and do you know what there are some ex, there's extraordinary people who just haven't been able to get their foot in the door so go and find that talent that's the that's the real challenge
0: absolutely couldn't agree more Awesome. So let's start in. Let's go back to twenty twenty. Our you know our year of hell. Our you know mm. our trapped on Seti Alpha Five um, year. Two very good Star Trek references. I appreciate them both. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, hence, <laughs> hence why there's coffee, in Miss Nebula. <laughs> right, sorry, I had to do that. Okay.
1: So right, I'm drinking tea all grey hot. Don't worry, Oh, guys. very nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, going back to the, the start of a pandemic and obviously everything shut down. and mm. I, I you know, I remember like what about, you know, the, the things I want to go and see. You know, I, did I have I think I had tickets um to see Bill Bailey uh, at um uh, the BIC in Bournemouth. And obviously, it got rescheduled. Thankfully, I was able to go and see it. But I think last, yeah, last year, and and he was fantastic. But it that meant that obviously theatre productions just stopped. What happened, sort of in the background? Did it just all stop, or did you find ways to continue to work together and continue to rehearse? Or can, how did that all play out for for you from a director's point of view? Wow,
1: well, I mean. Oh, this is going over a lot of trauma, you know. Oh, and and I th- this is something like I think people need to acknowledge this. Like we have all just been through this, two of the most traumatic years of our lives. Yeah, and I've really noticed before I get on to some of the things that we did. What I'm really noticing is certainly in people with empathy, um, creative people, people who are sensitive. I- I'm noticing there's a lot of broken people mm. who are really struggling to reclimatized to being able to socialize in groups people were given so much time to reflect on themselves and to be alone and the world was put into this chronic state of loneliness and i i hope we never see anything like it again i am i'm always very open i'm hiv positive and have been a campaign and activist for hiv aids um since my diagnosis god knows how many years ago now and, um, I remember when, I remember when lockdown was announced, I remember like everybody, I thought, well, this is a bit of a novelty, you know, stay at home. All right. And it all felt a bit like we we're in some, you know, American disaster movie. And I phoned my, I phoned my doctor, my, my HIV doctor. And I said, so this, I, you know, cause it was people, so it was certain people who were at risk and therefore we had to self isolate.
0: You had to shield more. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I thought to myself, well, it, I, people with hiv i mean i take my pill you mm. know and anybody, anybody who doesn't know if you're on hiv medication you can't pass it on and it won't you will never turn into aids I, I live a very happy healthy life it's a medication called prep i believe if that's correct uh, prep Pr- Pr- is to you can take so you stop getting it i'm i've already got it so i oh, take right, antiretrovirals but right, i'm okay. glad you mentioned prep because prep is a great thing and if people don't know about prep prep is basically just a great way uh, to take a pill which has similar drugs to what I take that, that basically will stop you, your, your body taking on HIV. It's an amazing uh, medical advancement. Anyway, I spoke to my doctor and I said, apparently I need to like self-isolate and not see anybody. I mean, surely that's nonsense. Uh, and my doctor said to me, Andrew, we just don't have any data. We don't know if you're going to be safe. I said, what do you mean? He said, we don't know how COVID interacts with HIV. We don't know how it's going to interact with your immune system. We don't know how it's going to interact with your, with the drugs that you take. So, I'm really sorry, but you're going to have to be on your own. And for what seemed like forever, I was. I was, it was just me in this flat, getting up whenever I wanted, going to bed whenever I wanted, my head constantly down looking at social media, which I know we're going to talk about later. Mm -hmm. And that isolation, that isolation was, was, was awful. So, of course, what happened for me anyway was the first thing I started to do was notice what others were doing. And it was, it, there was a period in time when all of the actors of sort of twitter and instagram etc there was a time when they they all just went a bit mad and just started broadcasting themselves all the time because they weren't being looked at or they weren't being able to fulfill their their need to entertain and perform and it was just mad every morning looking at my looking at my social media and just seeing actors going today i'm going to read you a poem I'm like no one asked you for a poem but it's just it was was just people desperately looking for something to do and desperately trying to connect with others in some way my thing was specifically to my industry is is, as it was for a lot of freelancers but it if there's one industry that was incompatible with social distancing it's theater Mm. i mean theater is fundamentally let's get a group of people together all in one building for a shared experience in front of a load of other people who are having a shared performative experience and see what happens. So when the, you know, all of us lost any jobs that we had, and this government was woeful in abandoning freelancers. I started to see West End leading ladies doing Sainsbury's deliveries. Um, I started to see uh, actors unable to eat, unable to support themselves, and amidst all the fun of a Zoom quiz, if we remember when they were fun. For oh, yeah. Weeks, yeah. Um, in the midst of all this, you know, the entertainers and the actors, that they were desperately trying to entertain a very, very frightened, lonely, desperate society. And yet we waited months and months and months and months and months until the, um, the size scheme, the self-employment um, income support scheme. But even then, I mean, I was fortunate that I was looked after by that, but plenty of people weren't plenty of people didn't reach the threshold. So what did, so I, so, but again, all those months, whatever it was, six months, I think it was six months without a penny coming in. Oh, easily. Yeah. Mm. Maybe more. All I know is I just had to spend all the money I'd save for my tax to try and get through it. And then I was looking for something to sort of preoccupy my mind and make a bit of money. And, uh, unfortunately I've, I, had some people reach out to me, um, saying, can I do acting classes? Um, which I which I did do very happily via zoom Um, specifically a lot of American actors who wanted to work with me and then British actors who sort of started to hear word of mouth as I started to market that I was doing these things but the the unusual thing as you mentioned Star Trek was uh, in my bedroom at the time I had a couple of pieces of artwork of from two of my favorite movies and my very favorite movie was not above my bed and there was a specific moment from that film that I wanted. And the movie was Star Trek II: the wrath of Khan or the wrath of Khan, depending on if you're saying American or British. And the moment I love is the moment between Spock and Kirk where they say you have been and always shall be my friend. Yes. Because you realize that of all the adventures, those two have been together. The most precious thing to them is their friendship. It's just the most beautiful beautiful moment in in star trek history
0: i am not gonna lie i am it is probably one of my favorite trek films i gotta say just like nicholas Meyer did an amazing job directing that film
1: yeah he did it truly did and and you know that score and those performances and those i mean it's just it's it's it is it is my favorite favorite I
0: think I'm gonna say this, and I'm sure that I don't. I don't know if William Shatner will ever listen to this show. Um, but I'd say possibly Shatner's best performance is Kirk.
1: Oh yeah, it is. It is. It's absolutely the best. It absolutely is. I mean, I mean, William, William. That's very, very. There's many things we could do a whole episode talking about the acting stars of William Shatner, but um, it has some, it has some wonderful moments. Anyway, I had bought um an iPad Pro um before the pandemic, you know, and I remember when the. I remember when the lockdown happened, just looking at this thing going, that could be food for months. And so I had the guilt of that purchase, not knowing what was coming. And I, the artworks that I had were kind of quite impressionistic and I quite liked them. But I just thought I'd like to do, I'd like to go with my own kind of style. And so I sat down with an iPad and I started to construct the scene that I wanted, the one we just spoke about, but entirely out of geometric shapes. And specific colours. Two, three days pass, and I kind of came up with something that I was quite happy with. And I sent it off to the same printers that normally does theatre posters and things that I recommend to producers to use. Okay. Um, and all I wanted was my copy. That was the, the whole point of doing it. And I didn't know how they'd arrive, so I said, "Oh, could you send me uh, two or three? Because then I can put two in the frame." Because you know. So I had to, they arrived, I looked at them and I was really proud of them. Mm. And I popped them on social media and just went, um, I can't remember what I said, but it was something over the lines of, you know, my favorite scene, first bit of lockdown art. And somebody messaged me and said, please, can I get a copy? And it was this lovely moment of, hey, I'm so flattered because I'm not a particularly brilliant artist, you know. And I replied, I said, yeah, sure. How much would you like to pay for it? And they told me the amount of money that they would pay for it. And I was like, that would feed me for a week. And so I I can't remember what my first order was. I think I ordered 10 prints or something rather rather naively. And then I started putting them out on Instagram. I think because people, kind people, saw that, AI hey, was somebody in the theatre. Um, and Star Trek fans, of course. They just thought, well, okay, well, I get this wonderful print. He gets to eat for a week. We'll buy it. And since then, I still do them. I... I I finished one the other day of Avery Brooks. Isn't
0: that Avery Brooks one? Correct me if I'm, I'm sure I've seen you.
1: Isn't that from In the Pale Moonlight? Yes. So it is. So the, the only condition I have, unless it's a commission, is I'll only do a piece from a moment of performance that I adore. Yes. Okay. But so I'm still always looking at trying to capture that the humanity of the performance, but through a geometric shape, which is very difficult to do. And
0: that scene is... Uh, I, you know, obviously I've looked at your artwork and, you know, um, I will be honest, I, because I've been out of work for a bit, I've not been able to, you know, to justify that cost. Again, same thing is, you know, I need to eat, maybe I need to stop eating, but that's a whole different <laughs> show. But some of those scenes are like, it's incredible. The moments that have been captured. Like, Thank you. That's the moment that I remember, you know, in the pale moonlight, for those who don't know, in the Pale Moonlight is a, uh, I think season seven, season six, season six. So my apologies, season six, Deep Space Nine, Heart of the Dominion War. Things are not going well for the Federation at all, and Captain Cisco. I won't spoil the plot, but he does something that is very unStarfleet,
1: and he can live with it. I can live with it. Yeah, it's it, you know, it's I mean, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because. I think all any of us are trying to do at the moment is just find the things that we look at that will bring us joy and happiness. That's all we want. And, you know, there are moments from that franchise and um, there are other artworks that I do. I mean, there's, there's a lovely artwork I did of Robin Williams, for example, who, um, you know, he's his career, his life, his essence, I just find him inspiring. Yeah. And if I'm gonna sit down for three, four, five days and try and capture that moment, you know, I I have to keep wanting to do it. And, and indeed you, you mentioned some of the other actors. There's uh, I just I did a play a while back with uh, Marina Certis, who was mm-hmm. Chancellor Troy in Star Trek. Now Marina and I are very, very close friends. We speak a lot. Um and I care about her a really great deal. And I managed to give her her own West End debut in her 60s. And I'm so proud of that. And I'm so proud of her. But I remember when she went back to America for a bit, she now lives here permanently after me nagging her to stay. Oh, so you're the reason she's back here. Okay. I'm part of the reason. I'm a tiny part of the reason. There you go. I showed her what life would be be like if she moved back to London. And then the moment that has been captured is there's a moment of Marina hugging Patrick Stewart. in the new series of Picard. The reason that moment was important to me was when Marina went back to America, her husband died, and she wouldn't mind me saying. And her husband died of a a terrible heart attack. And after Marina and I've been so close working on this play, the next time I saw her image was having a hug with Patrick, and it's all I wanted to give her. And and it's just such a lovely, true, it really moves me talking about it now, a really, truly sincere hug. And I just thought, oh God, I've got to capture that.
0: And, and again, it was, you know, to it was so beautiful to see her and um, her and Jonathan Frakes back in Star yeah. Trek. In it, it, actually two ways. I'll, I'll quickly say, I love how the serious portrayal that they both do for Picard and they do a beautiful job of coming back and the story that they tell of their loss mm. is, is incredibly heartwarming. But then when they come back and reprise their voice roles in Star Trek Lower Decks... Oh, as, yeah. As almost a comic, you know, you know, Marina there, we're talking about this later. Yeah. <laughs> when, yes, just, no, Marina, uh, Marina Sertis is, is a wonderful lady. I, I've had Twitter conversations with, with Marina briefly about, uh, she helped under, uh, explain uh, um, something about her calendar, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the Orthodox uh, calendar, which I didn't understand. She was so gracious. Mm-hmm. But going, going back to, so, cause I want to later on talk about the tools that you used on the iPad Pro. Cause I'm, mm. I'm such a big, just for context, this entire show, but post production on this show happens entirely on an iPad. This is edited entirely in mm. ferrite on an iPad. I will say this. Yeah. Anybody who says that an iPad of any type is not a content production device really needs to listen and, and hear what people are saying
1: yeah they're wrong i mean they're just simply wrong
0: yeah absolutely so once things started to you know unlock that i'm with you i i honestly had enough of zoom calls my my church's sort of you know students 20s and 30s group we moved to zoom mm. and i love the people in that group Mm-hmm. But you know what? I hated those sessions because I just couldn't sit there. Yeah, anymore. Every, you know, every Monday night, I like, oh great, I'm going to be in another group with people I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I'm sat in my lounge on my own. I I live, you know, I live alone. My parents are hundreds of miles away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we I, I, I couldn't go and bubble with them um, because I had to be down here. So I can, you know, no one, ne- you know, I could at least go out. So I, I, you know, hearing how difficult it was for you and anyone else who was in, immunocompromised, mm-hmm. because that was the group that really had to self-isolate, and I knew people who did. And it must have been difficult, but what for you was, what helped you through that, beyond the artwork, doing your acting classes via Zoom? That started, those sort of interactions started to shift the way we probably thought about how auditions how mm-hmm. meetings and everything now for for actual performances what was possible i mean cuz you couldn't all be together but i know there was a lot of theatre groups like i think for example the mischief uh, the mischief theatre group yeah. who did the watch alongs with the goals wrong series what sort of things were you able to do with your company um were you able to do any virtual performances was that scope
1: or yeah i i can i, I can talk about this so ha huh. It was, so I was involved in other people's companies doing this, actually. Okay. One of the loveliest things we did through, uh, again, and this will be out of timeline over two years, but one of the loveliest things we did is my my best friend, Ben Papworth, it was all very well that all this content was being created for social media. Mm. But he identified that as Christmas was coming, what would all the elderly do in care homes content who was making something for them they weren't on twitter no they weren't on instagram nope or at least i don't think they were and so ben came to me and he had this idea of doing a concert called comfort and joy and it was a very simple idea that we would rent uh, a little studio in london and this is when we could be socially distanced yeah and it was safe for me to come out at that point. Then, and it was all above board. I, I, it's not like I'm somebody who worked for the government and just didn't care about the rules. Like, oh, you, the rules you mean strategy. all those
0: parties we had? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that'd
1: yeah, I mean, be yeah. nice, wouldn't it? If only, if only we'd all thought to do that. Anyway, so Ben had this lovely idea for a concert. He said, "Would I direct it and come up with it?" And Ben and I came up with this really lovely, very touching concert, um, which we recorded. Um, both as a album and as a, as a film performance and Ben sent it to every care home in the country um, at Christmas. Brilliant. And it was, you know, musical theater performers who did get, you know, got paid and Ben created a little bit of work, created a lot of comfort, created a lot of joy. And and I was really impressed with that. It, it just showed how powerful and creative we could be when, when we're thinking about others and what we can do and, and maybe for one afternoon or one evening in a care home, some people sat down and knew that we made them something yeah. and we cared. And that for, that touches me. I feel really proud of that. And, and it really moves me because I don't do enough of it. The other things we did or I did was I worked with a company called Secret Cinema. Uh, Secret Cinema is probably one of the world's most famous immersive theatre companies. And I was the performance director on one of their projects called Ghostbusters, The Gates of Gozer. Which in regards to technology is there's never been anything like it in the world before. I have to be very careful what I talk about with secret cinema because obviously there are things that need to be kept secret and I'm under NDA. Of course. Um, but as the, the show happened, anybody that knows about it, it was a platform that was built for both the US and the UK, which would enable, um, 60 people at a time to experience online immersive reactive gameplay pre-recorded cinematic scenes and interact with live actors in 15 different studios on a platform that enabled the audience to talk to each other and to the live actor in the studio
0: brilliant
1: all done in collaboration with sony and telling a story about what happened to the ghostbusters between ghostbusters 1 and ghostbusters 2 and all of this happened by people being able to log in via something we call the Paranormal Institute and learn how to be a Ghostbuster. And it's truly one of the most impressive, ambitious things I've ever been involved in. Wow. However, we needed to audition actors. And as we were post-pandemic the big concern we had was obviously all it took was one person to get covid in a theater company and the production could get shut down yeah or measures would need to be taken and the government guidance when it came to performance spaces and rehearsals and workplaces was abysmal but it was the laws and it was the rules and we were all following them well most of us were the thing well most of us unless your name's Boris or Rishi come to think of it or Matt. yeah, let's not cover. <laughs> uh, I have no, I have no intention of going near any of them. No. Um, and so we, the, inter- the the biggest problem I had was obviously auditions. Yeah, because when we were trying to find the cast for uh, this amazing production me sitting in a room shaking hands or even being socially distanced of a person coming into whatever room we found whether it's ventilated or not it, it just didn't make any sense you know based on the guidelines. so I, I couldn't meet hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of actors no so instead we used um because secret cinema i use uh google meet oh yeah they use all the google things for us to be able to communicate wherever we are in the world and so it was all scheduled google meet auditions. Now there was lots of good things about meeting actors that way. These are the things I love about it. One, no expense to the actor. The actor didn't have to pay to travel to come to the audition. It did also, and what I said about the quality of opportunity earlier, it also meant that it didn't matter where you were in the country, as long as you were able to do the job, all barriers were down. As long as you can sit on a computer, you can be there. I liked that it was convenient and I liked that and this can happen. Whenever you've got in-person meetings, inevitably, there's the tube that's delayed or the road that's been closed. And your schedule that you're sticking towards trying to do by virtue of people just having to turn up to a physical place. The schedule goes out of the, wi- out of the window. And actually, what was really good is we could be really tight with keeping the time slots. So there was no wasted time. So based on all of that, that all sounds great. Right. What's what's not to like?
0: Was that famous story that Danny John-Jules, well, no, the rest of the cast tell about Danny John-Jules's audition to play the cat in Red Dwarf? He was an hour late. Yeah, for that audition. Now, of course, that's Danny being an hour late. But what does that do to the rest of the the scheduling? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, thankfully, Danny got the role because I couldn't imagine anyone else in that role. But going back to what you said, yeah, it means that, you know, as long as someone turns up on time and remembers the calendar invite and doesn't have technical issues, great.
1: But why am I not saying we should do auditions like this? Like, all of that is really positive, isn't it? Mm. You will never understand a person unless you meet them in real life. I agree with that. So much, and we'll talk about this on social media later, but so much of the way that we communicate with people nowadays is theatre in itself. It's digital theater. It is social media theater. Yeah. How often do you see on social media someone who looks so happy, over the moon, living their best life and then you notice for 3 months they haven't posted because they've killed themselves. Mm. It's just theater. It's there's there's no truth on social media. There's no eloquence, there's no nuance. You don't notice the you don't notice the pain in people's eyes when you're having a Zoom conference. You don't notice that the hands underneath uh, are, are rubbing together because they're so anxious that and actually maybe this isn't the right job for them. And instead, what people are able to do is in the audition. And, then, you know, yes, this does happen in real life. But the fidelity of meeting a human being who is ready to undertake a demanding performance schedule. You don't get the measure of somebody through Zoom. You can pass information on through Zoom. You can discuss ideas, but you can never truly know someone until you're in a room with them.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And again, that goes back to what I was saying about, you know, struggling with those Zoom calls, because mm. it's very different meeting new people. You know, look, you know, me and you are having a great conversation, but it would be very different meeting you in a pub in London or, you know, here in Bournemouth. It'd be a very different experience. And I think you've hit the nail on my head, but you don't know the pain people are going through outside. You know, I could be having a terrible day today. I'm I'm not, for the record. But I could be here sat, you know, as James... You know, presenting, being, you know, like, Hey, I need to be pumped for this podcast. It, it's, it's very disconnecting. And I think it's worth So, if we're going to loop back to technology, talk about some of the technical challenge that that comes with. Cause not everyone has the best internet. No, they don't. Again, opportunities, right? If you're living in rural England, I'm just thinking of, rural, I'm, I'm putting this in UK context. I'm sure the same is true in the US. You might have the worst broadband possible. I have a friend who actually lives in Bournemouth and she lives in a block of flats. This is a modern block of flats in Bournemouth and they can't get any sort of fibre because of the nature of the building. So this is a lady who is working with international students having to do lots of Zoom calls and her broadband can barely support a call because it's so low resolution. so so low bandwidth upstream because just going a little bit into the, the the technical stuff for a second. Your download speed does matter when you're on a Zoom call, but what matters more is your upload speed and your ping, the responsiveness of your stuff going back out. There was also another challenge in the lockdown. Webcam prices went through the flipping roof. Mm-hmm. You know, a Logitech C920, which is a great camera and should have been about 50 to 75 pounds. They started selling for over 150 pounds. This camera that I've got here that my, you know, my co-host Jay very kindly brought over for me when she was here a couple of weeks ago. This is, you know, a 4K Logitech Brio that was selling for, you know, I think close to Two fifty three hundred, and you could, if you had the technical skills, and a lot of people did, they would, you know, buy little capture cards, you know, Cam Link, and they would use their DSLR as a webcam. And I know a lot of actors do that, a lot of streamers do that. But again, it goes back to your opportunities. If you don't have, if you've been out of work as an actor for months and months, you can't justify the cost of a, you know, a hundred pound capture card or a several thousand pounds camera. Just to do auditions because you're trying to get work to bring in money, and then there's the whole audio side of things. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm on a you know I'm on a proper audio interface. I will say, Apple, you are blowing my mind again with your microphone tech because Andrew's wearing AirPods Max and they sound fantastic. But again. Not everyone's got the money to spend on good audio. And I mean, what was your experience of auditioning actors? Did you have such a range of video quality and audio quality to deal with?
1: Yeah, it, it was OK. But you're right. There, there was definitely moments where where it was difficult, as indeed I find when I teach. You know, there, there, there are all sorts of things where some, you know, I think people have got wise to mm. got wise to this now because it isn't a frequent problem, but digital poverty is a thing. Absolutely, um, indeed. That I mentioned when I mentioned Ghostbusters Secret Cinema um, had a charitable link to I forget the name of the charity. You'll have to forgive me if it was a while ago. Um, but but they were dedicated to making sure that that everyone has a laptop at least. You know, in in UK, and I think there's there's great charities because you know nowadays. What with smartphones and, and laptops like now when i try to book a doctor's appointment i need to do it through an app yeah and i i worry about this on lots for lots of reasons two specifically though
0: please yeah go for it.
1: one we are taking away so many social interactions with other human beings that it is making us deeply unhappy yes you think when you phone somebody you get a recorded voice you listen to sound and then you might speak to a computer. It's it's alien. It's not the way we're supposed to work. It might be convenient. It might be productive. But actually, do you remember the days as I would have growing up as a kid? You know, the phone would ring. I'd answer the landline, say my mum's number. And, oh, can I speak to you, mum? Yes, of course. Yep. That was a social interaction. We feed off these. And now by everything being through apps and this, that, and the other, it, it's not right. And, and even now, as I, I do this interview with you via um squadcast it's all very well that we can see each other we can see each other but i can also see myself you know and i'm not the kind of person who likes to look in a mirror to be honest with you and yet here i am i'm looking at myself talking to you and i'm critical and i start to notice oh my hair looks a bit rubbish and, oh, maybe do i look more like a cyberman in these these <laughs> airpod max you're talking about you know and and We're not supposed to communicate, thinking so much about the way that we look. And yet here we are looking at mirrors, talking to each other and listening to each other's voices. So, yes, I I worry about the lack of authentic social interaction that we have with people. Um, I think it's I think it's really damaging society. And instead, what are we doing? We're now looking to try and connect with people via social media. Let, let's
0: let's let's talk about that because social media is a good yeah let's. it's a good link into it. I mean, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. When I want a doctor's appointment, I want to speak to a receptionist to say, hey, you know, what have you got a little bit earlier rather than just pick from this menu and yeah. sign in when you get here. I, you know, some of my best interactions during the day. It's a reason I be being honest. I could shop online and I did during the pandemic, but you know what? There's something really rewarding even if you're going through self-checkout there's something really worried about the human interactions because inevitably there's an unexpected item in my bagging area or if i'm buying alcohol Mm -hmm. they have to check that i look over 25 thankfully i I do quite a lot Um, but there's still that interaction but social media i think let's talk about some of the, the harm because it is you know, we we celebrated actors and actresses and, and people in, in theatre and movies and everything like that, you know, directors, producers, being, hey, let's create content for social media. And that's a really positive thing because it's meant more creative content coming out. But there's a negative mm. to it. And I'm going to let you, you speak to this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to be very careful because the, the person I'm going to talk about is extremely unwell. And I think that is due to, a lot of trauma in their life but their relationship with social media. I was in a relationship with somebody at some point in my life and his addiction and need to share his life on social media and the things that he the kinds of interactions that he was having with people was unwell. He was filling the fact that I think he was very neglected as a child. And suddenly, because he was a very attractive man, um, extremely attractive man, I believe Inside was a very, very, was a child, a narcissist, who had narcissistic needs to be looked at and appreciated. But because of the boundaries of a screen, he completely lost any understanding of how to form intimate relationships with the people he loved. And in turn, would do some really, uh, obviously we're not, not together, we don't have anything to do with each other now. But even down to the sort of sexual attention that he would need meant that he was communicating with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people sharing nudes and videos of himself because he wasn't able to form meaningful relationships in real life. And his ability to manipulate the way the, the the things that he would say to people on social media, which just just were not true in real life, has meant that that in his everyday life he has to gaslight and was gaslighting me and making people doubt their reality because as far as he's concerned, if he says it, then it's true in the same way that if we put these pictures out then look this is this is what's happening it, it It's certainly the most destructive relationship I've ever had in my life, and it's really damaged me like it's really really damaged me to see how narcissism is being ingrained in young people today, the importance of I and how much people need to, how people are replacing relationships with their smartphone. Imagine this, imagine you're in a relationship with somebody and there's somebody who just keeps coming around and maybe sexting or maybe they're tapping on the shoulder and going, hey, come look at this. Or they need to message you every time you go to bed and they want you to message them the first time they get up in the morning and they want you to take pictures together. Mm. You would cut that person out of your life because they would be exhausting. Well, That's what your smartphone does. Yeah. And when you're in a relationship and you have that third person, that smartphone in your life and you are replacing your authentic interactions with real people and indeed being given the appreciation and the love and the play from real human beings. And it's being replaced by apps and your phone and your email. It is it is a one-way ticket to, to severe mental health issues, absolute unhappiness. And I'm really worried about what kids are going to grow into. And I'm really worried about even people my age who mm. are depending on a smartphone to connect with the outside world. And in turn, they're not going out. For, you, you said to me, when you went to the supermarket, you like to go to the supermarket um, because it's, it's better. Yeah. Yeah. Leaving your house is a good thing. Absolutely. Exercise is a good thing. Fresh air is a good thing. Being, um, and yet now we're just bombarded constantly with the stress of choice. And because we, as human beings, because we're social creatures and we like to exist in tribes, you know, the reason a relationship makes us feel so wonderful is it protects, you know, we make sure that we eat together and that we sleep together and that we're safe. You know, that's why relationships can be so wonderful. But how on earth can a relationship survive when there is the temptation and all the choices of the rest of the beautiful world of Instagram? But you can have any one of these people and look at the wonderful theater that they show. They go out to the best nightlights and they sit in infinity pools and they're so happy and oh, they can sing. Um, Oh, I think I'm in love with that person. No, you're not. You like their content. Yeah. Because that person doesn't sit in an infinity pool all the time. That person takes that nice picture of themselves drinking a coffee in their flat and has a £10,000 overdraft that they need to pay and, and doesn't know how to tell a joke. And doesn't know how to put their arm around you and say, you're going to be okay. How are you? Absolutely. And we're thinking so much now about what is the self that I present and we're believing what is being presented back to us that we all feel very, very inadequate.
0: I mean, I know, you know, looking at recent... And there's another side to this as well, which I've just really started to think about while we're talking. Recently, in the last few... This week, uh, the young actor who played... Now, I will apologise, I have not watched Heartstopper, but uh, Kit Connor, I believe the actor's name is. Um, Mm -hmm. 18-year-old guy, very talented actor. I've forgotten which... Because I haven't seen Heartstopper. But because of his character the whole of social media was questioning his sexuality and trying to, uh, trying to guess where he was on that spectrum. Mm. And he's had to come out as, as bi mm-hmm. to stop that. But now that is, that's his private journey. That shouldn't be something that we are expecting people to share on social media. If they want to great, but it's, their choice. It's it's like, um, also, um, another actor again, and I'm, I'm focusing this on younger actors because, you know, it, it seems like this is a trend where we expect young actors to be at our disposal on social media because we've probably got nothing better to do. Right. Uh, Noah snap who played will Byers, will, you know, the character of will has been speculated whether or not he's gay. I think in season four, it's, it's almost confirmed, but, Then that same questioning has been hurled at at Noah. And I think, yeah, it...
1: it... The the thing I would say about that, because of course that's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. And the same kind of tactics were used against Darren Brown, where one of the red tops were going to out him. And so I think it was Attitude or Gay Times, I can't remember. They rushed through an interview so Darren could come out before he was forced to come out by one of the tabloids. Right. Um, when was that? I think that was in the 90s or the noughties, probably the noughties. Probably noughties, yeah. The thing that will make people who, and I look, I have, whatever it is, 22,000 people who follow me on Twitter and, you know, and thousands of people follow me on Instagram and whatever. The interesting thing that this young actor couldn't consider is just getting rid of social media. Yeah couldn't live without it even though it even though it is causing that much pain why should i delete my twitter account why can't he walk away from that twitter account or that instagram account very good question the reason being is because we are associating our identity so much with those accounts
0: absolutely and you almost questioned why don't you have x social media i for example do not have facebook because i do not want I've made it very clear on my show. I don't want anything. To, I, I concede WhatsApp because of necessity of of having to communicate with family members who refuse to move to a more sensible platform. Mm. But I have to have WhatsApp. I don't want any other meta products. I don't have Instagram. I have mm-hmm. Twitter because two reasons. I have Twitter. I do enjoy following people like Andrew. I try, mm. I, you know, I will admit there are I check Twitter maybe a couple of times a day and I do try and catch up. And obviously I have notifications set for particularly for my podcast, because it helps to promote the show. It's important in that sense. But I would like to think that I'm not addicted, but I see so many people who just cannot put down their Twitter. You know, I'll be out for I've been out for dinner with a friend before and that friend cannot put down their phone because they are always checking their Instagram likes.
1: Well let me let me ask let me ask you a question. Sure. Could you reach right now and, re- and get your phone? I mean it's literally here why that's a very good question <sighs> uh,
0: because i was messaging a friend before the show and of course i've just realized i could have just done that on i don't need my phone here i should it should really be somewhere else
1: yeah that's a really good point i'd probably find if you think about it your phone will always be within an arm's reach without even having to stand up at all times in your life do
0: you know what i think you've hit but i think you've hit the nail on my head and i wonder how many of us you know both me and you recording this and people listening that is true for
1: mine is over on the other end uh, in the kitchen i all of my notifications are turned off because i actually was marina certis who made me do that oh really okay yeah marina because she has a huge twitter following or whatever you know the notifications were too much Mm. but she said to me she described it to me like a notification on your phone is like a prod you need to do this good point And if you had a partner who just kept prodding you and going, you need to do the bins, you need to do that, you need to do that, you need to do that, and they kept prodding you, just saying, why haven't you done that? Why haven't you done that? Why haven't you done that? The stress would be enormous,
0: and it's how it's how relationships break down. That yeah, nagging between partners is how relationships suffer.
1: You're up against Silicon Valley. You're up against the might of Silicon Valley. The sad thing is, is that is. Nobody will ever truly know you as well as a smartphone.
0: That is true.
1: The smartphone knows all of your conversations and your likes and your dislikes. It even has your heart rate. You know, like you, your phone knows you so well. And Silicon Valley makes money by knowing, but by creating technology that makes sure that companies. I have such an insight into all the things that make you addicted that you're up against that.
0: Absolutely. So for all the all the good that tech can do, and all the good that you know, because there are things that social media is good for. You know, you obviously got some commissions for your artwork through social media, but we, oh, yeah. but we flip it around. We have to. You know, this is really making me think as well about what notifications I have. so, thank you, Marina Curtis. You are. <laughs> You know, like genuinely, I mean, counselor Troy, you know, comes to our podcast and well, not quite, but hey, Marina, if you're listening to this, you would always be welcome on the show, but that wisdom of being able to take a break. Mm-hmm. Y- yeah. And uh, one thing I will, I will say, take advantage folks of your phone's settings for focus mode and do not disturb. They are some of the most underused tools you know, I, I do have my phone on Do Not Disturb right now so I can focus on this, on this chat with Andrew. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, once the interview is over, it will automatically come off and I will get bombarded with notifications. Do I need to deal with those? Probably not.
1: I, I, I still think it's amazing that there are people with drug and alcohol addiction who are undergoing treatment because they, you know, they, they have maybe three or four drinks every day and it, that, that that you know people talk to them about their severe addiction and yet what happens with if you've got a life that begins your day begins with a phone but you know if you're there are people who go to the to my, my ex-partner that I was mentioning earlier you know because his addiction to messaging and living this secret other life on social media accounts you know he would go for a wee but had to had to have his phone in his hand whilst he was doing no, it's like like th- that, that's 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 the equivalent of when I've heard stories about alcoholics who take drinks into the shower. Yeah, and you think, but well, that's madness.
0: But we don't have that same level of treatment or recognition of it as being a problem.
1: It's I, I, I we are we we're, we're just training ourselves to we're, we're training ourselves to not resist the value of human beings and human interaction, real human interaction. And you know, you mentioned the self service checkout and the home deliveries. Yeah. Sure. They're very convenient. But look at the way you interact with the person who delivers the shopping. Thanks very much, mate. Take it bye. Yeah, that's true. What you used to have to what used to be the case is you'd talk to the person at the checkout. Maybe they'd say, Oh, I saw they were on offer. I'm going to get those tomorrow. And it made you feel good. And look at the way now that people sit on the tube or people walk around on uh, walk around nowadays. Would it cost anything to look at somebody make eye contact and just smile? No,
0: it wouldn't. And people don't.
1: Yeah. But what would happen? But would that be weirder now? Nowadays, would that now be a weirder thing that oh, that person smiled at me? I wonder what he wants
0: that's a really good point you know it could be seen as people will see that as creepy how dare this person interrupt me from my instagram story that i'm looking at Mm -hmm. or how dare they interrupt my podcast yeah take the time i mean it's interesting since i started wearing hearing aids out Mm -hmm. sort of in the wild i have found that i because they are not designed to play music they can play podcasts but i can still hear everything that's going around i tend to feel more engaged And, you know, I try – I do try when I'm at checkout, you know, where – to, to have that conversation, say, you oh, know, how are you doing? My, you know, I look at my nana and grand, you know, my nana and my late granddad, when they went, when they used to still go shopping at Asda, and my northern accent's coming out here quite a bit, mm. uh, it, you know, in Fallwood in Preston, they would spend that time talking to them. And they would know the checkout ladies. They, and the mm. checkout ladies would know my, they go, Oh, hi Marjorie. Hi Ken. How are you? You know, how, how's my grandson? Oh, he's doing very well. He's just got a new job. You know, all this sort of, Things that we just don't do
1: anymore. Well, the the thing is, we can. That's what I want to. Maybe that's the the big message that I want to get across to anybody that's 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 listening to this. Ultimately, we we do need we we do need these tools. It's the modern world, and as I have just said, you know, technology is a wonderful thing in my life. But you will never not feel lonely if you turn to a phone for company, and I guarantee you, if you look at your life. For five years, and you were to ask, would my relationship be better with my life? Would I have been happier? Would I have had as many arguments? Would I have been fed so much destructive information without my phone or with my phone? You'll probably find that you would probably have been happier without your phone for five years. And what's frightening is there are people who, there was a study, I can't remember who did it, but it was something over the lines of when asking 18 to 35 year olds, would you rather have a broken bone in your hand or no Wi-Fi, they would choose the broken bone.
0: Wow. Do you know, I see that so much, you know, in my nephew. I will say he's not as bad as some stories I've heard. My nephew was very cross with my mum and dad because there was no slots left on the um, caravan's Wi-Fi plan. And because we'd all put our devices on, he wanted to switch on. In the end, they caved and said okay well let's take off a device as it turned out they could have just taken off my old work laptop that would have been fine but it was that he needed that connection with his
1: friends it's not a connection it's not a connection it's theatre.
0: no and these are you know these are people he does see you know i remember growing up and uh, you know i'm a child of the 80s i was born 83 so when i was at primary school and high school if i wanted to talk to my friends or see them I would have to I would call them on my phone and say, "Hi, I, you know, are you free? Oh no, sorry, we're about to have tea or no, sorry, you know, I'm doing something for this evening, but how about we, you know, walk home together after school tomorrow?" Mm-hmm. And it was most, you're
1: right, most genuine a walk. It's a walk together, but even down to, you know, transport now. Yeah. We we like to jump jump in a car, look forward and go wherever we're going. Yeah. Um, go, go for a walk with your partner and leave your phones at home. And Ask yourself, you know, what's it like to not have those 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 distractions? Because coming back to probably why you asked me on here in the first place is, you know, the, the whole point of my my job is to observe life, to observe relationships, to observe the way that, that humanity works, and and put that truth and other people's truths on stage. Because people go to the theatre not to see a show. But to feel something, people go to the theater to feel they they see characters in extraordinary situations and they use their empathy to understand what it would be like to go through that story or or how they grow or how they're challenged. You know this all goes back to tribal things like you know we, we used to sit around campfires and tell stories, and that was our idea of theater nowadays. You know, getting around the television is our campfire, but it's it's a shared experience. It's something you do with your partner, your kids, your family, whatever. But how often now do we sit down with our family to watch the story as a shared experience? And yet we all just look at our phones and listen. We're completely alone. We're completely alone. There's nothing communal about it. There's nothing shared. And instead, you're looking for connections with people that you may never ever meet.
0: That's very true. That's very true
1: it's horrifying it we, we are we're really really in a horrifying situation
0: couldn't agree more
1: you know and of course I, I do want to just
0: say that where you have got people who you've met in real life and you have built friendships with and you know maybe you're physically distanced for a while tools like facetime tools like apple SharePlay. you know me and jay for example are, are very you know we are really good friends So beyond the podcast we will sit you know she's over in ohio we will watch episodes of TV shows together via FaceTime. That's a great use of technology.
1: I think that's beautiful, though. That's where you are unable to be together, and yet you're doing some you're doing something together. Right. But you know, it's. I remember when I had a a breakup, and what I really needed was someone just to come round. Mm. I just need someone to show up. Yeah. Just need someone to come around and listen, and hold my hand, and tell me I was going to be okay. There was nothing more disappointing than people texting going, oh, I hope you're okay. I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm really not. Oh, it'll be fine. And, and actually, it was this way of, like, I, even if they were busy, and of course, people are busy. People can't always drop everything. But you find the people who love you who turn up on your doorstep in the rain and say, I'm here. I'm here. What do you need?
0: Let's just have a cup of tea. Yeah.
1: Yeah, cup of tea, glass of wine, you know, uh, uh, Papa John's pizza, whatever. Like... It's identifying the people who you can live with and then identifying that you're just consuming people's content. That sure, you might be able to interact with them, but you don't know each other. And it's the not knowing each other, which then blurs the boundaries about what you then expect from each other. And, you know, it's it's horrifying. It's a really horrifying situation. And I I said it, I keep saying it. It is warping people's minds to lead to very sick, very dangerous, and very damaging behavior. And ultimately, I people are killing themselves. People are killing themselves because they're so unhappy, because they're so unfulfilled, because they're so lonely, but also because the persona that is being built in a fantasy world does not necessarily reflect the person they really are. And that inadequacy, when people think of something on social media, and if if that social media image is punctured in any way or it seemed not to be true which of course it isn't well then the real self feels that realizes that everything about them is a lie and if they're a liar what do you do you feel shame and that can lead to some very destructive damaging behavior and i've seen it and i've seen it happen to a man that i loved more than any other man in the world and for us to be a part is it has to be the case until he gets the help that he needs i
0: can understand that. and look you know without going into we see some of the most damaging and some of the most things that you would never say to someone to their oh i hope people i hope that some of the people who mm-hmm. save some of the things they say on social media to the likes of presidents be it good ones or bad ones I'm the likes of prime ministers. Mm. Now, look, I've made it very clear. I am not the best at communicating with prime ministers on Twitter. I, I, mm. but I do try and be. I will. I, I would hold myself and say, I, do, I have never sworn at a prime minister. I've never made any sort of hot threats of harm. I've just told them how it is. And mm-hmm. do you know, I realise that I'm guilty of that because I've never met Rishi Sunak. I might not like the man. I might not like what
1: he stands for, Yeah, but he's still a human being. Sure. But also none of us know him. I mean, you're right. I I agree with you. I am, I am not a conservative party supporter in any way, shape or form. And, but I don't know Rishi Sunak. No, I know what I've been told about Rishi Sunak. I think this is another frightening thing. You know, when, when people are looking for a way to feel exceptional, then they look for exceptional views and they look for, and if people are angry, then they'll look for other people who are angry to join in and I know for a fact that 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 people seek out certain things so they can vent and have an argument on social media you know and 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 I again that behavior is worrying, but I also want you to think about this not only you're talking about things that that we say to people what's really frightening is when we start looking at what we are asking people to do that's another element to this. there are times when People will, because there are no boundaries, they will ask things of people that they would never do in the real world. That is dangerous, you know, Um, and particularly with, you know, the likes of dating apps, things like Grindr, things like Snapchat, you know, people are sharing far too much. Let's just be really, yeah. Yeah, well, they're sharing far too much, but they're also then expecting it from certain people who do not want to give it because they've got used to a habit that, oh, but this is what everyone does, right? No, it's it's what your limited sphere of influence that has been curated around you because, oh, you're into these kind of things. That's not what society does. And in the same way that you know a, a drug addict will continue to take drugs because all of their friends take drugs, that doesn't mean the country's taking drugs. <laughs> You're deluded. And the only way to get out of that is to live in the real world and, and build real relationships and build meaningful things and, and go back to what I think is our core values. And it's a really simple exercise. Identify what your core values are and then ask yourself, do I... Do I subscribe to them? So I often say to myself, I'm creative, I am fiercely loyal, I'm loving, I'm truthful, and I'm curious. There are the things that they're, they're my core values. And whenever I find myself sat doing nothing, lazing about the place, I go, hang on a minute, you're a creative, go and create something. And that might then get me in the kitchen to go and make dinner and go, right, go and create, go and create some meal. And then do you know what I feel after I've identified that I'm a creative person and I've created something? I feel really happy that I've created something. Absolutely.
0: I, I can attest to that. You know, there are times where I know that I need to sit down and edit this episode of a podcast, not this particular mm-hmm. episode. But, uh, I mean, I'll be really honest at the moment, uh, as it stands right now, the episode that's due to come out next is the, is the November edition of Charging Status, which is our EV podcast. Have I edited it yet? Some of it. But it's because I've not had that... I've not pushed. I've not thought. Okay, I need to be. I want to be creative now. I've got consumed in other things and what and doing things that you know aren't as helpful. But hopefully, by the time you
1: listen to this episode, that charging status episode will be out. It should. I be. hope so. But then ask. You know, it's interesting that you've you've created a podcast. You know, when I had, had my podcast, uh, the Show People podcast. Mm. You know, I was. I just wanted to be around like-minded people and talk to interesting people. That's what I wanted. Sure, the editing thing was hard because the thing I enjoyed was being able to connect with other human beings, other extraordinary human beings. That need to connect is important. But, you know, it's, uh, define your core values. Are you responsible? And if you start thinking, no, I am responsible. I've got great responsibility. Well, why have I not done my podcast? Come on, that goes against what you stand for. Go and do the podcast. Absolutely. Am I, am I a, you know, if you are creative or, you know, I'm a, te- I'm a tech expert, Okay, you're a tech expert who's responsible, who who works within this field. God, if there's one thing I need to do, it's sort of that podcast out because that goes against my core values. Rather than constantly being distracted by, oh, I've just seen that thing that needs doing. I'll do that. Well, and I guarantee nine times out of ten, that thing that you notice that needs doing is probably looking at your phone for three, four hours, not having any idea about how valuable our time is. Our time is so Valuable. And the amount of times people will say to me, Andrew, can you do this thing for me? Uh, Or expect me to do that thing. And I would always normally go, Yes, of course, I'll do anything. And there are times now I have to go, No, that is two hours of your time, which is valuable, not just from a monetary sense, but that two hours I could go for the walk outdoors that I promise myself every day. That two hours could be, I could make however much money teaching selecting classes that I could put in that time. And it's not being selfish. It is just valuing our time and our responsibilities and and just identifying what are the things that will help me and make me happy to do.
0: No, that's a re do you know what, Andrew, that's a great point. And it it absolutely, you know, I'll be really honest. This isn't something we plan to discuss. Andrew actually, literally before the show, said, hey, can we talk about this? Because I think it's so important. I'm like, yes, because it echoes the cross value of looking at how tech can be both positive and negative. And this is a great example. Yeah. However, I do want to loop back a little bit to wrap up a little bit on two pieces of tech.
1: Yeah, we should. I've got to go and see. Funnily enough, I've got an actor friend coming around. Uh, for a takeaway and a movie. So Fantastic. Just to show I'm not an absolute hypocrite, and you're going, well, you've just sat on this podcast chatting over technology. It can't be that bad. I've got a, f- a lovely friend of mine, David, who's coming around for um for for us to get together nice, and have an evening together rather and, than just staring at And actually chill anymore. out,
0: yeah, and, and just enjoy each other's company. Mm. Absolutely. So, two pieces of tech. First of all, um, something that I know from, from our email exchange you haven't seen yet, I just wanted to I I played with it briefly. We talked about webcams and the accessibility to be able to have a good quality webcam on your computer if you are an iPhone mm-hmm. user and a Mac user in iOS 16.1 and macOS Ventura continuity camera. Which what this does really simply it was announced early this year. It allows you to use your iPhone as a webcam with your Mac without any additional software. Mm-hmm. It's been possible before with extra software. It's now built in. It works really well. The only thing I would say is you absolutely want some, want some sort of laptop mount and Belkin do one. A few other companies do one or a tripod mount for, or if you're fancy like me and like a lot of streamers, you know, you'll have some Elgato multi mount system. Now I'm not using continuity camera for this, for this. I'm using Logitech Brio. But I have tried it and it does work. I can recommend it highly. Really,
1: and, and I mean the only issue I have is: what's it going to be like in regards to battery drain? If you've got like eight hours of meeting, like the the, the one lovely thing about having th- this thing being separate. I mean, I'm sure the quality is great, and that's what everyone seems so obsessed about. How can I look as fabulous and and as HD as possible? But also, the whole point surely should be: I'll do my meetings on my laptop, and then I can take my phone out, and then call my friends and go for the drink down the pub. Do you know what I mean? Is it going to be, oh, I'm going to have to charge My phone is dead. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yes, of course you can plug it in, but also as you were saying about having your phone near, if I'm teaching and I've got my phone next to me and my mum texts me saying, please call very urgent. You know, it's important for me to see that message um, on a separate thing for me to still remain focused on finishing that meeting to then be able to, so, so I, again, I worry about that. And then I'm sure some of the Apple experts, like all of my products for Apple, and I,
0: mm.
1: you know, I'm very aware that I adore everything, everything I own is Apple, and it's stupidly expensive, but I do love it. Yes, of course, you can have those notifications also coming up on your screen. But do you want them? But I like, I like the separate thing that people message me on my phone. I email and do work on my computer, and my creativity is on my iPad. Yes, they all talk to each other, but they've got different, they're different tools that I use for different things.
0: That's a really good, I mean, only, I, but, do you know what, in terms of a battery, that's a really good question. And in fact, you've just inspired a video. So that will be a video I will film and we'll test it. We'll actually do that. I will actually put it through its paces, see how it goes, because I can just take the, uh,
1: Brio camera off this and see how that goes. The thing I do like, the, the thing I do like about it though, Is if for any reason I can't be in a rehearsal, say, and I don't know, I've got a choreographer that, you know, or if I've had to do meetings and the rehearsal is being led by the choreographer, it could be really helpful having the choreographer holding an iPhone. Oh, yeah being able to show me specific steps and show me specific things in the rehearsal room that I'm doing that's going on so I can see it in detail I mean that's much nicer than the old-fashioned days Well, they will now be the old-fashioned days of holding the laptop around oh, yeah. and trying to show people yeah um but then I suppose what we normally do we'd normally just do a video and send it over whatsapp that's so true yeah for okay. my video being able to move stuff around I guess that's that's helpful but it's certainly
0: probably more beneficial for streamers and things like that because but you've do you know what you've raised some great points and i'm gonna say right now for everything that we've talked about today we would love to hear from you folks podcast at crosswise.net or leave a comment below make sure of course that you're not obsessing over our comments i don't um but do that the next thing i just want to ask you quickly because obviously all creating all this art is one of the reasons, I'll be honest, one of the reasons, uh, you know, I mentioned to me, hey, let's talk about this. And obviously we've gotten, we've looked at more important things. But quickly, hmm. because, you know, we've, we, I've talked to Stu Cambridge, who is a pixel artist and, and more besides, sorry, Stu, you are not just a pixel artist. Um, Stu Cambridge, uh, I don't know if you ever were ever sort of played on the Commodore Amiga line of, of systems when you were grow, growing up. I did. But yeah. he did. Yeah, so you play Cannon fodder, sensible soft yeah, soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stu Cambridge is the graphic artist behind those games.
1: Well, they they were groundbreaking. I mean, they were groundbreaking in
0: their time. Absolutely, but Stu, you know, Stu's now doing more and more art. So I want to ask you, what tools are you? Maybe even you know, as as much detail well, as quickly as you want. What tools are you taking advantage of? I mean, because there's so many good tools. I use
1: a variety of different things, Um but the the the, the... The basic drawing app I use is Procreate, which is probably in the industry standard nowadays. It's just a really lovely interface, and um, it's uh, very reasonable, and um, it's got really lovely handling. I use the traditional um, Apple Pencil. I use an iPad Pro. Um, I think one of the most interesting aspects to technology I had was when I was... Searching for sort of source images for me to base the artwork on quite often uh, because they might have been screen grabbed um, or perhaps they might be from, you know, they might be low resolution images is handing them over to an AI and it giving me greater detail. This is where I, 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 you know, I make it very, very clear. I, I don't paint. I don't really sketch. You know, everything I do is is on the iPad. So some artists are going to be like, he's not a proper artist. But actually, I'm somebody with dyspraxia. I'm somebody who was resistant to drawing for a long time because I kept making mistakes and I just hated looking at the page and being like, oh, look got all these mistakes. And so for me, as a bit of a perfectionist with a little bit of anxiety, it was really nice that I could ultimately decide what the image is going to be by my hand. But I, it would help bring out things in the image that I hadn't maybe seen or my imagination couldn't see. But then in saying that, there are times when I'm being very close to what the, the source image is and I just dislike the look of the eyes. And then I'll obsess for a day over me getting the eyes right, for example, built entirely out of geometric shapes. And then I get that satisfaction myself. So technology has definitely helped me in regards to releasing my artistic expression and obviously helping me earn some money. Other tools that I use with the artwork, um, Adobe Photoshop. Yeah. So again once I've created the image itself, the the thing I do do, oh, I said do do on a pop cut podcast that makes me laugh. Um the thing I do is quite I, I'll ask the printers to send me a proof of what it's like whatever I've done. Quite often because of the printing process it's a whole level of interpretation that I have no control over. Yeah. So often it's arrived and then I will look at it and go, "Oh, I wish it was more saturated." you know, I wish it was, I wish the contrast was a little bit higher. So then I'll take the sort, the original image, then I'll pop it into Photoshop. I'll then adjust all of the levels based on what I've seen. Oh, it's a bit gray or it's a bit darker. Then request a second proof. And it has happened before actually, I've had the second proof and I've still not been happy. And then I'll ask for a third, but often by the second proof, I'm I'm very happy with it. The other thing I use is a Sharpie. When you get that print through, it doesn't matter how much attention you paid to the image, doesn't matter how much you put it through Photoshop, I guarantee you, you'll find that there's some stray little line that you've missed. Or for me, certain geometric shapes haven't quite aligned as I wanted them to to make the image. And I go with a Sharpie and I physically circle all the imperfections on the piece of paper. And again, I'll go back to the proof and and fix them. And if it was old-fashioned printing, then probably by that point I would have given up on art. Um, But instead it's making me create and put people's art in people's homes. I should also say if people want to buy it and I really hope you do, if anyone is a star Trek fan or a theater fan or any of the other things that I do or a comedy or, or entertainment fan, um, all of my artwork is at andrewkeeks.co.uk and that's, uh, Andrew Keats, K-E-A-T-E-S. And I would be very grateful if people wanted to buy some, particularly with Christmas looming. Perfect Christmas
0: gift, folks, really do. Honestly, yeah, we always make sure that we, our guests get a chance to plug stuff, but please go and check out Andrew's website. Um, You will probably at some point be seen in order. From even me or a family member to me, so oh, um, I hope lovely. so. I hope so. I don't know which one. I I'm so torn between the you know the the I have been and always shall be your friend, the pale moonlight or the the Khan re Because I, I think unless I've you've done the where he's reaching over for the Genesis countdown device,
1: yeah. We should, it's the longest one that t- it's the one that took me the longest the reason it took me the longest is well it's because the Genesis device is in it and I had to work out how I would do the Genesis device whilst being uh, whilst being true to me making it geometric and there was really tricky lights because the Genesis device is nothing more than a big silver, thing that comes out of it in some lights and so even if i just did the lights sort of with the color they would be they needed a luminous it was there was so much to it but the thing i'm most proud of with that is um ricardo Montepan's eyes they were the things that i had to really concentrate on getting his he's got really sharp eyes when he's looking down um well i think the answer is very obvious um i think uh, a different family member should buy you each print and you should put it all above a, a wall you have a triptych
0: well i'm gonna say this this space here for the live stream is definitely looking for artwork. So, yeah. But do go and check out
1: Andrew's sites. And you're Andrew Keats on Twitter as well, I believe? I am. I'm Andrew Keats on Twitter and on Instagram I'm at Mr. Andrew Keats uh, because somebody took my name on Instagram. I'm still still furious about it. Oh, don't don't start me on, on names.
0: We just got a YouTube handle for the for the, uh, YouTube side of CrossWires and someone who's got one video who ha- that was mm-hmm. posted something like 16 years ago has managed to take at CrossWires on yeah. YouTube. Thanks, YouTube. So our new
1: YouTube handle is at CrossWiresYT. If there's one thing to remember, and it goes back to all the, the big points I was saying in the middle of this podcast, you know, look what's just happened um, to Twitter. Like, all of these accounts that we worship at the moment, they're not necessarily things that you'll have forever. So... This is true. You know, be, and careful of the value, be careful of the value you prescribe to them because they won't be with you your whole life. Just out of interest, we... And I hope you don't mind me asking. Were you a verified Twitter user? I am. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm a blue ticked, um, but my my verification is myself. You know, so I woke up one day and suddenly I had a blue tick because of theatre. I I think the only thing I'm interested to know about is if I'm paying. I, I'm sure he's not stupid enough to think that it's just paying for a blue tick. I'm almost certain it will be some kind of advertising platform where it would be, I would be subscribing as a blue tick user Mm -hmm. of which companies could then, if it was a show, for example, this is my suspicion anyway. I think it'll be something like I will then be approached by advertisers to ask if I could tweet out content via my account to reach the audience base that I have. I think that's that's what I think he's doing. I think that's what he's doing. I think you're Um, right. And if that's the case and the revenue is high enough then I don't care, but you know, I, I, I've, I've, uh, to to finish, the thing I don't want to be is, is whatever the. Whenever I die in the future, I really hope that instead of tombstones, we don't have our Twitter accounts, you know. And I, I genuinely, genuinely think, you know, that people will be buried with their social media account for you to look through their lives and find out who they are. And that will be seen as a beautiful thing one day. I'm no, sure of it.
0: No, I'm sure, of no. It. I, I'm sure you're right, but I'm going to say this right now. For me, and this this will be the closing point, find me out of a torpedo tube with Scotty playing Amazing Grace <laughs> on the bagpipes and William Shatner going William Shatner for some reason going,
1: human, human, not human. Yes. Uh, God bless William Shatner. God bless <laughs> yes, William Shatner.
0: Absolutely. Andrew, it has been a genuine pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Crosswires. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a note over to podcast at crosswires.net.
1: You can also drop us a comment on the post, or if you're a good pod user, why not start a discussion there too?
0: You can find us on Mastodon at crosswires at masthead.social. And if a bird site still somehow miraculously here, you can follow us there as well at crosswiresmg. And of course, you can find the show in all the good podcast apps and all the really bad ones, too.
1: If you'd like to check out more of our content, head on over to crossedwires.net/slash YouTube for all our videos and keep an
0: eye on our Twitch channel at crossedwires.net slash live or upcoming streams if you like what you heard please do drop a review in your podcast directory of choice it really does help spread the word about the show
1: and of course if you can spare even the smallest amount of financial support we'd be incredibly grateful you can support us at koficom slash crossedwires. that is ko-fi.com slash crossed wires
0: until next time thanks for listening